Well, hello, hello, hello. Good evening. What's up? Or good morning. Yeah. Yeah. However it suits you. Wherever you are, whatever time. Feeling feeling well over here on the East Coast. How are things in the West Coast, Greg? Or where are you? Wait, I am on the, you? I am on the West Coast. I'm actually in Portland at my sister's place. I oh. just spent uh, yeah the weekend in a cabin, uh, Kaz's family cabin out in the uh, nice. in Packwood, w- Washington State. It's gorgeous. Uh, we had um, like perfect Beautiful. weather. Uh, it was it nice. was really nice. Uh, how about you guys? You have a Very nice cool. weekend. Yeah. yeah. Okay. You know. Sorry. Sure. I, I uh, know. Oof. Yeah. Well, you, Jay, we were go. talking about it before the show. The new Zelda came out. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh, the new Zelda came Seven out. Seven years. Yeah. Oh man. It's not like just, I was waiting until like midnight on Friday to download that thing. It was. Uh, yeah. It was like twelve oh one. Where did the weekend go? Hmm. Zelda. <laughs> <laughs> Man, and luckily sounds... it was Mother's Day, you know, so I could take, you know, kick my feet up and uh, right. play some Zelda. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, on Mother's Day. Right? No, it was freaking great, man. Um, we did have a good Mother's Day, and good. I got to play a lot of Zelda, which was a lot of fun. I, s- I, um, I saw. I, saw a I don't funny, know if you guys uh... have. Oh, sorry, Jay. Go ahead. No, 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 I was just about to say, Nick. I know your kids have started to get into it, right? Oh yeah, yeah. Have they, uh, have they descended past the Sky Palace yet? Uh, Siri is, he, he's somehow, what's, what's going on? You guys hear that? Wait, uh, yeah, just, uh, I, I, wait, what, I definitely, I where's, that, that, com- I, where's yep. that coming from? Whoa, I what's that? Uh, do we just let this play? I don't, what's going is on it, here? Is, is this related to Zelda somehow? I don't feel like talking I about Zelda anymore. I don't think so. I'm kind of digging, I mean, digging this though. What is this? I think I know what this is. All right. But just let it play, I guess. Are we just like? Are we being? Oh. Co-op. Oh. Yeah. Are we? Are we being like Who transported? Cares? Are we? Yeah. Okay. Woo. Oh. Yeah. That's nice. We should start every episode like this. This is my new theme song. Whatever this is. What? What is this? <laughs> what? You know what that is? What is this? Huh. That is the opening track on Herbie Hancock's album Thrust. That's Palm Grease. Ah, I see what and, you did there, and Greg. The, and the reason why we're listening to that is because, in case you didn't hear, this week's episode of You Should Check It Out is a little different, a little throwback mm. to our original mm. format. What are, we, what are we doing, Greg? Well, first, why don't we play the intro? Yes, that's right. You are listening to You Should Check It Out, redefining the musical podcast landscape since 2018. Well, actually, since listening back to some of those really early episodes, maybe since 2019. But anyway, Mm -hmm. it it was a while ago. We've been doing this for a while. Right. It's Happy like, to be here with you on this beautiful Thursday, wherever you are in your corner of the world. Mm. It's a beautiful day, and my name is Jay. And I am Nick. And I'm Greg. And I'm here to tell you that we're going to spend this whole mm. episode on an album that I picked for Nick and Jay to listen to this week. Herbie Hancock's right. classic 1974 album, Thrust. That's exactly I don't know right. What- yeah. Given that, given given that I listened to that about twelve or thirteen times in the past week, I should have recognized that intro. Right. I'm, I really was pretty shocked really. you didn't. I was pretty <laughs> yeah. shocked you didn't. 
You know, especially because <laughs> I told the, you to listen to the it. It's the theater anyway. of the mind that we have going on here. You know, uh-huh. we just, right. we're, we're really good at suspending disbelief. Mm, but indeed. no, as Greg alluded to, we, you know, for these, to the run up to our historic, the historic 200th episode of You Should Check It Out, we're going back to our original format. Indeed. Back when it was called You Should Check This Out, because we mm-hmm. couldn't, we weren't smart enough to come up with You Should Check It Out. We required hey. Greg and his lovely girlfriend to come up with that brilliant title. You got to, you got to, Start somewhere, though. Exactly, mm-hmm. exactly. So the close. original format was one of us would pick an album to talk about to the other guys. And mm-hmm. that would typically be in, in either an album that they hadn't heard before or an album that they had heard before and were very unfond of. Yeah. And that, you know, we thought, unfond, the presenter thought that would be able yes. to, to turn them around on. Just through the sheer willpower and, and power of their voice. It's coming a lot through of the begging radio. and pleading those early episodes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It, yeah. You'd think no, it would just be. For real, it's really good. Yeah, right. <laughs> and who knows? Maybe this will be the same because okay. this is what we're doing that now. We're, go, we're going back to that format uh, That's as, right. a, as a throwback to, to um, our roots as we An ramp up to uh, episode 200. Yeah, and homage yeah. to ourselves. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> what better homage is there? I don't know. Now, before you get into it, Greg, yes. um, last week, this was always the trick, too. We had to, like, tease the next episode. Right. Mm-hmm. So, last week, you teased that you were going to be talking about Herbie Hancock's album, Thrust. Correct. You know, to get all the... So, you know, if the listeners wanted to play along, you can listen to the album and form your own opinions and then Highly be corrected by us Highly you know, whenever yeah. the yes. next episode came. So, I wanted to give all the listeners an opportunity to do just the same thing for next week, which Great. is my episode. My episode. Yeah. Which I'm we so excited. don't know. Yeah. Hmm. So, for episode 198, guys, cue up your turntables. We are going to be listening to David Bowie's Low. Low. Oh, yes. Love it. Very cool album from 1977. It is an outlier in his catalog for all the most brilliant and beautiful reasons. Mm. It's, uh, there's not a single on it, which is okay. cool. There's a lot of synthesizer instrumental tracks. It's a lot of fun. Got used so, to that this week. Cue it up. Yeah. Take yeah. a listen. No doubt. It's a All little right. bit longer than this Herbie Hancock album, but uh, it's worth worth the exploration. Okay. So, with all that out of the way, Greg, man, do us proud. Tell us All about right. Herbie Hancock's Thrust. What are we doing? Okay. What are we doing? For? All right. Well, let me start with just some of my earliest impressions of Herbie Hancock personally. My dad uh, had... He had an album called The New Standard um, in his CD collection, which was, you know, maybe only like 12 CD. We just got in the CD player. He had this Herbie Hancock, and I was going through all of them. And I noticed that on this album called The New Standard, this guy Herbie Hancock played All Apologies. And I was like, that's funny. This Mm. song has the same name as the Nirvana song, but then I saw it's like All Apologies, (laughs) and then, you know, in parentheses, like K. Cobain. K. Cobain, I I was like, oh, so he's playing... So I listened to it, and I realized, okay, so he's playing the song, but there's no singing. It's piano, and mm-hmm. he, but he, I can recognize the melodies from the sure. original. Mm-hmm. And so I realized, okay, this is like a jazz interpretation of All Apologies. Yeah. I was like, this guy's cool, because he, at least I know he's listening to the same music I am. Yeah. yeah. Right? And so this is before I started really actually exploring jazz. But I knew about Herbie Hancock. And, it's for, you know, a lot of people just knew about Herbie Hancock. But 
if you when if you do know about him, you realize that he's got this vast career, right? Like fifty yeah. year career now, and oh, yeah. um, this record thrust that I'm going to get into, it's it's a very specific point in his career that I, that I think is quite inspiring and interesting to me. Um, okay, it represents. Also, it has to be said, one of the coolest album covers ever. <laughs> yes, yes, the the artwork <laughs> is fantastic, and it's basically you know. Well, we're going to get to all that, but okay, okay, it, it represents to me like the inflection point of jazz and funk, like 70s jazz and 70s funk. It's like half Stevie Wonder, half Miles. But when I say half Miles, I mean like the the second great quintet Miles that Herbie was okay. a part of, but also like the Bitches Brew Miles. Like it's that's all kind of in there. Um, it has the rock elements that are you know prevalent on the Jeff Beck albums that we love from that yeah. era um yeah. but it's way deeper harmonically and rhythmically in my opinion than oh, those gotcha. records not mm-hmm. nothing to, not taking anything away but i mean what herbie does on on thrust is just it's hard to pick up you, you know but it doesn't mean that it's not con- totally concrete and just not many people know how to play it right and so that, that's the kind of thing that draws me back to this record over the years, time and time again. It's that is his, awesome. You know, awesome. It, so this this is his 14th studio album. Okay. Um, it came out in September 74. It reached number two on the Billboard Top Soul albums, number 13 on the Billboard 200. It, interesting times, right? Um, yeah, yeah, wow, I had no idea it did that yeah. well. So it's the second album featuring the Headhunters. Um, I'll talk about that and, you know, that, that group, but this had uh, the, saxophonist Benny Maupin, bass guitarist Paul Jackson, drummer Mike Clark, percussionist Bill Summers. So basically, coming out of the, set, the Woodstock era, sure. right? We all know what was happening then, and you had kind of like the birth of like this arena rock, and you know, cliffs and rainbows are scaled in the woodlands now. And but jazz was turning into something else. You know, you've got <laughs> sorry like, what. Cliffs and woodlands are scaled in the rainbows. Cliffs what? and rainbows are scaled in the woodlands of rock music at this point. Okay, okay. I'm okay. borrowing some things. I'm gonna, I have, I have some. I'm okay. citing some articles here. Okay, okay. no problem. No, didn't mean to all stop right. you. All right. And uh, you got a problem with all about jazz? No, I'm just <laughs> but but no. But hang on. The point is that it, the impact of the of the '60s at like you know the LSD movement like that had reshaped rock music. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah. Agreed. And it was also reshaping jazz, but not in the same way. Like jazz was kind of becoming more chameleonic and like hunting around and like lots of explorations and definitely similar to, you know, when you have like the Beatles and the Beach Boys kind of trying to one up each other with each yeah. release. Yeah. Yeah. You've got these other bands coming out like Tony Williams' Lifetime and John McLaughlin's Mahavishnu Orchestra, Chikoria's Return to Forever. Like all these bands are trying to kind of outdo each other in a way it's a healthy competition yeah. um, it kind of seemed like a time that was ripe for change and it was up for grabs who was going to take yeah. that yes. transition a period yeah. of transition right and so now you have herbie's headhunters right and that this group doesn't have guitar so that's an interesting kind of difference between all the every, bands I just every group had a guitar at that point. right yeah. not this one yeah yeah right. so how did he get to this group? Well, so by the late 60s, 
Herbie was already a legend in jazz, right? Because at 23, he joined Miles Davis's second great quintet, well, as it would be yeah. come yeah. to be known, with Ron Carter, Tony Williams, Wayne Shorter, and uh, wait, who am I missing? Tony. I said Herbie and Miles. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That's everybody. <laughs> so um, yeah. So there you go. They're in. The, he's in that band. Let's play a clip of Herbie playing live with the Miles Quintet. This is "I Ooh. Fall in Love Too Easily." That's, you know, come on. That's some classic stuff. So I'm going to keep it rolling. We're going to listen to a lot of clips here today, guys. We just listen to more of that. I know, right? Hmm. Hey, it's all, it's all out there for you, for you to, to grab. Um, go listen to any of the Miles records. I, don't, I can't tell you what the years were. I want to say 66 to 70. Yeah, I think it's 66. Yeah. And Jay, I actually vividly remember your apartment in Baltimore. You had um, kind of a cutout from maybe an LP or whatever, and it was... You know, that, those five guys. Yeah, baby. Yeah, so kind of like a Led Zeppelin of jazz, or, you know, whatever, super, like a Beatles, yeah. like a super, super group. group. Yeah. Yeah. But at this point, Hancock is with is playing with Miles, and he gets fired in 68. Okay, so 68, Herbie leaves. Do you know why he got fired? I don't. I, I don't. did not know this. I haven't gotten there in the book. <laughs> I don't even know if it's in the book. I don't think it mentions it in the book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. But, but apparently... He returned late from his honeymoon. <laughs> so pretty, uh, pretty unsympathetic uh, ground for dismissal, although pretty typical of the uh, often icy <laughs> Miles yeah. Davis. Um, it's supposed to be back at five fifteen. Yeah, man, it's five twenty-six right now. All right, Herbie's yeah. out. Right. Yeah, out of here, man. Oh, that's actually so, a recording from the yeah, yeah, yeah. the incident. <laughs> the incident. <laughs> So, uh, so Herbie's like, well, I guess I'm going to focus on my own music, and he's starting <laughs> to incorporate mainstream into, uh, mainstream elements into his, you know, pretty challenging compositions. So he's got this album, Maiden Voyage, that he puts out, right? And mm. that has a song called "Eye of the Hurricane." We should listen to that. It's got a lot of good songs on it. It does. Yes, it's a classic. But "Eye of the Hurricane" is yeah. Let's listen Let's to pull this. That up. Bye. 
So that's a just another banger. <laughs> mm, that so, album's a banger, man. It sure is. Yeah, Maiden Voyage is fantastic. So now we've heard Herbie with Miles, Herbie's solo stuff. And he starts getting more experimental stuff out there. But then he's got these three commercially disappointing albums that are called like Mwandishi, or I think that's the name of the band that he's, tr- okay. that he's trying to play with. And so he's getting a little bit out there, but it's not selling. So he decides, I'm going to just go into the funk thing. That early foundation. Funk was big in the early 70s. Indeed. He's like, I'm going to start getting like my clavinet on and my like ARP synthesizer on. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to start a new band called Herbie Hancock and the Headhunters. This gets him into the spotlight. They have a single called Chameleon. If you don't know it. Let's listen to that, because you, right. you must know Chameleon. Right? You know, mm. this is what we played in, like, high school jazz band. <laughs> you know? We weren't cool enough in Waynesboro to play this in oh, high really? jazz band. We were, we were still stuck on Satin Doll, but... That is some crispy 70 cents right Pulling out some Stevie Wonder licks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So that song has a lot of success. And the album is a success. And now he's going to say, okay, I'm going to keep doing this. Right? (laughs) But Herbie's still got, he's still got that that experimental bug. He's got his roots, right? Yeah. And so... And plus, but he's still got his chops, you know. He's got those, those yeah, that's what I mean. deep jazz chops. Right. That, that's, that's so in things like Chameleon, sometimes you don't hear that as much. But on the album that followed, which is Thrust, this is what now we're finally here. We're, 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 we're at Thrust. This is where... Merging. Yeah. This is what I wanted to play for you guys. Okay, okay. so we heard the first song this, earlier, Palm Grease. Yeah. This is, this is so funny because... I had heard this album. I think I had heard bits of songs, but I hadn't heard this album. Uh, the previous album that you were just talking about, Headhunters, is yes. way, way, way more famous and way, yes. way, way more popular. Mm-hmm. So that's when I associate this area, era of Herbie Hancock, this is the album that I associate it with. Right. But upon further listening to Thrust, I think, I think your point is is solid here, Greg. I think it's I think Herbie is better represented on this album. I wouldn't. I mean, better maybe. I think that it sounds to me more like Herbie, but mm. you know, whereas like Camille, like maybe Headhunters, it obviously couldn't have been written by anyone else besides Herbie. But maybe it would have. I would say it's more likely that someone else could have come up with Chameleon than could have come up with the songs on Thrust. Yeah. Okay. Okay. But, the, yeah. 
Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's just so... The, the, there's four songs on this album, okay? So we heard the first one, Palm Grease, uh, earlier in the show. Now, well, before we play this next song, I'm just going to give you a little bit about, about the band. Uh, we've got this guy, Mike Clark, on drums, and they were touring the, ex the U.S. extensively, headlining festivals, large concert venues, playing to wider, more diverse audiences. Uh, they became a pretty tightly knit unit, dazzling grooves, but Paul Jackson and Mike Clark together are like really laying it down. Mm -hmm. And uh, with this lineup, the band went into warp speed. And uh, it's actually as depicted in Robert Springett's cosmic cover art. <laughs> yes. Right? So it's like a, a, a 70s, you know, Herbie, like <laughs> Afro bad bad boy pimp you know but he's like in a ufo where the controls are keyboards <laughs> and he's just approaching this like beautiful like purple planet <laughs> hell yeah you know and about to just like <laughs> lay it down and conquer so so of the era it's, mm -hmm. it's wonderful it's wonderful yeah and so the second song on this album is uh, probably my favorite one on the album mm. this one is becoming okay. quickly i would say one of the hard like if you were if you went to like maybe the toughest jam session Somebody mm. might call this. Yeah. Do you, do you get what I'm trying to say? It's like yes. It's like the bad bad cats know this uh -huh. song. <laughs> yep. Right. So let's listen to actual proof, and I'm gonna talk to you about it a little bit. <laughs> Well, it's beautiful. I, I don't know how you want to attack this, Greg, but let me just put something up on a tee for you, if you don't mind. Okay. I mean, at the beginning, it just sounds like a really fun funk groove. Right. What's what's complex about it? So it starts out in like yeah, C minor thing. But the groove drums is are not ridiculous, by the way. The drums Dang. are not. There's nothing standard about that groove. Exactly. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. And so that's kind of forcing, well, the, the bass and drums are just super, super funky on that. But yes, very unconventional. Linear, perhaps. Nick, we'll, we'll get into your uh, analysis in just a second. I'll, I'm going to just quickly talk about the fact that the changes for this song are very tricky. So it's like it starts out in a C minor, and then it's like immediately over to B flat minor, and then like an A altered thing, and then that gives you to, that sends you to like an A sus. So look, I mean, 
this is already like the first three chords of the song is already kind of like, oh, that's a lot of motion. <laughs> you, need your, you need your keyboard next to you, buddy. <laughs> I know. Well, the, I'm actually kind of glad because I would be messing this up. <laughs> you know? I watched... I watched somebody do a, like kind of a keyboard analysis, and I'm like, yeah, and it's like an actual you know jazz pianist, and they're like, well, right. you know, you can think of it this way too. <laughs> Even they're like, mm, you know, <laughs> but yeah, um, yeah. but I'm it's not just, sure he does that part, but yeah. If you were gonna improvise a solo over it, I mean, it's you really got to know your stuff. Okay, a lot of melodic minor elements you mm-hmm. are are gonna be what gets you through it. And, uh, you know, Herbie plays it like it's nothing, obviously, when, when you mm-hmm. listen to him rip on it. But it's funny, the, the name Actual Proof comes from, it, it was originally called The Spook Who Sat By The Door, <laughs> which it, it, was, it was originally intended to be part of a soundtrack to a movie, and that was the name of the movie. Oh, okay. The Spook Who Sat By The Door. But they, they had... Um, I guess the producer asked them to play some un- more con- unconventional rhythms to it. And uh, as they were working out the song, they were also talking about Buddhism, which you know, is a big part of Herbie's life, mm. as it turns oh, out. Okay. And it, uh, actual proof is a Buddhist <laughs> term which signifies through the act of chanting that one can transform one's inner life and the environment will respond in kind. So everybody kind of went out and did their little chants, and then they like... Did one take, and that's what that's what we're hearing. Nice. Really? Yeah, and so that's why they called it actual proof. It's like actual proof that it works. You know that that <laughs> this chant works. You know that. Beautiful. Yeah, and so that's uh, Nick, cool. let, let's 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 talk about the drums here. What 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 did you learn uh, from listening to this? Um, what I was trying to get because he is not an emotive drummer, right? Like when you go and watch him play it, he's just 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 stand still or just just like a statue just i mean it, the whole thing is like 16th notes right and he's never hitting the two and the four it's imp- but he's but he's but you get that feel he's just mm-hmm. dancing around it and he adds like a swing shuffle to it intermittently like his left hand is playing almost like it's doing the accents on like a swing beat but he's playing a but he's playing straight eighth notes with his right hand on the hi hat Mm. Um, and, and then just like tossing in paradiddles and, and doubling up here and then switching paradiddles with his feet. I actually did look at a chart of it and I, and I kind of, I played through it, you know, at like one eighth the speed and then got up <laughs> to like a quarter speed. It, it, it is, it's, it's some tricky stuff, but it's cool. It, for, for that alone, for like the exercise of trying to figure this out and figure out what he's doing, hands down, this has been a, a, an invaluable, uh, album listen. Well, excellent. Um, but yeah. But but super complicated. I mean, it, it, yeah. He described it. You actually sent a video that that where he describes it as um, he takes this this classic funk beat that he loves. Uh, I forget who he cites. Um, Clyde Stubblefield, I think. Uh, the James Brown. Thank you. Yes. Oh, the funky yeah, yeah. drummer. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he adds what he calls his linear madness, um, <laughs> which is which is really which is really rudiments, right? He's just he's adding like rudiment patterns into it um, so that every snare hits kind of coming off the offbeat but it's all this like 16th beat if you're just going like and it really made me think like that's probably what a percussionist gives you the capability to do when you're jamming is they're holding down a 16th note beat you can just play all over that because because you've got that 16th reference um and then pull you know what that, else out. that reminds me of what's that banjo playing okay mm. 
It's yeah. all sixteenths, but it's it's the accents of those sixteenths. Right. So the mm -hmm. banjo becomes like a melodic rhythm yeah. player in bluegrass. Yeah. Yeah. I can see that. And you mentioned linear, Nick, which is something that I always um, find interesting about drums. Which is, does linear mean you're not hitting, you're never hitting two drums at once or two pieces? Does it, is that kind of because then you can you kind of what? draw a line? Like if you like if the ch if you're looking at a chart, you're never hitting two things at once. So it's like that's you could just kind of that that's what it's meant to me. Because the guy from the meters, uh, yeah. so I forget his name. Is it Zigaboo who plays the drums in the meters? Anyway, that uh, sounds right. Yep. Um, he plays like that as well. So it's not like pss, 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 you know, like kind of a basic thing where you're sort of hitting mm -hmm. a kick. You know, there's times where you're hitting more than one thing at a time. But when you're playing linearly, you're only hitting one at a time. Except he tosses in, he tosses in the ghost notes, yes. which do which do coincide with his like his hi hat. Um, gotcha. But yeah, there's like there's a lot of it, between the bass and the snare drum, they're they're both switching parts. Yeah, switching parts. And when you look at the pattern, it might. Re I don't actually. I don't. I don't. I don't think it repeats. Okay. Um, I, I don't know that he ever does the same thing twice. <laughs> um, I wouldn't be surprised. So yeah. Yeah, man. Actual proof is a bad tune, man. And and look, again, I think that over the year, as the years progress, and more, you know, these kids go to they go to jazz school are going to try to just one up each other. I think that this song is mm -hmm. going to keep coming up. It's one of those that like maybe was ahead of its time in the sense, or just that or just kind of stands out as like yeah, it stands out as like this incredibly difficult piece to yeah to play correctly. Yeah, and it, I mean, it is. But then at the end of the day, it actually is not that hard once you, once you do get it, you know, seemingly. <laughs> right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, All right. Rubik's Cube is not hard once you get it. Understand right. all of the algorithms that go into solving it, right? <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's, that's the trick. Is like, so, so who's, willing yeah. to, who's willing to learn it? That's the, that's the point. That's, right. really, that's really good. Yeah. Each one, yeah, like for each, like, each like eight bars uh, of, of Clark's beat in this one is its own, like, Thing you can add to your to your you know to your toolbox of like exactly. tricks. Nice. Yep. Because nice. you can you can just you can just toss that into any you know eight bars in 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 like a similar yeah it's it's a beautiful thing. Right on. It's it's, it's so cool. So there you go. That's uh, actual proof. So we're two we're two tracks deep into uh, thrust, and there's only there's only two more. <laughs> we're ready. <laughs> we're ready to flip the wax. Yeah, exactly. So let's see. Well, can we can we talk about that first track of hair? Is that possible? Because that one, that one was actually a challenge for me initially. Oh, is it? Yeah, it, it was. It, it actually it I I found going back and listening to the album after maybe the first three or four times, I skipped that one, and it was a much better listen for me if I listened to that at the end. Really, the first one. I, I don't the the first one. I th I think the repetitiveness of that beat, and then mm -hmm. the just like. Yeah, coming in, um, and that, that takes so long to build up that yeah, I think I think I th for whatever reason that was uh, uh, right. Yeah. It does it, it does take a while. Well, let's listen to um, to to butterfly here. This is like kind of the okay. central song in on the record in a way because as as dope as uh, actual proof is, and you know even though it's a slow burn, palm grease is also a bad funky tune. Butterfly is. One that has even had had even more of a resonance with modern artists. But let's just get Ooh. into the actual. Let's get into the vibe of Butterfly. Okay, this is the third track on Thrust. Mm -hmm. 
Pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> pretty pretty, <laughs> sexy, pretty sexy. Uh, yeah, you're listening to YSCIO Radio yes, coming at you right. on your FM dial. Right on. So you've got these more modern artists now playing Butterfly. Let's actually, let's check out some other versions of this song. First, let's listen to Gretchen Parlato. This is uh, actually, you're a fan of this guy, Nick, drummer Mark Giuliani. Oh, yeah. Uh, his this is his wife, and he actually plays drums on this. Nice. So let, let's listen to this this uh, version of Butterfly from Gretchen Parlato. This is live, I believe, at Rockwood Music Hall in New York City. <laughs> Beautiful man, right? Yeah. I mean, the original is an instrumental. Do you know where the lyrics come from? This is actually kind of fascinating. So the lyrics were written by Gene Hancock, Herbie's sister. Oh mm. wow! Huh. Who was a computer consultant in um, <laughs> Half Moon Bay, and, and unfortunately was killed in a jet crash at the age of forty-one. Oh my gosh! Yeah. Wow. So okay. that's a ticket for the song. Crazy. Was it before that performance, or was it, did that happen after the fact? I, have, I, I, I can't have. I, I wish I had all those details at the at the helm. Gotcha, but, gotcha, gotcha. Um, I, I'm sure that it was uh, around the time that he put out even the instrumental version. Maybe he just had some lyrics kicking around, and there's, there may even be a version of Herbie playing them with the lyrics or with the singer. I would not be surprised. That's awesome. Man. Yeah, yeah. That's really beautiful. But uh, Gretchen does a great job. Um, yeah, let's listen to I, I another. Really like a claps too. The, the the hand. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That was, it was nice. It was really nice. Yeah, no, she's she's uh, all her stuff is great. And like I said, you know, Mark Giuliani is on. I think most of her stuff as well. So you know, it's mm-hmm. going to be good. Um, let's listen to another modern, like oh, uh, what do you want to call him? A young lion. Well, he's not that young anymore, but <laughs> uh, he is a lion for sure. Uh, mm-hmm. One of my favorites, Robert Glasper. Let's listen to his uh, version of Butterfly. Oh, he did this too? Oh, yeah. 
Yeah. <laughs> it's out there. That's yeah. great. That's great. You, you can sort of see, though, it's like uh -huh. Herbie planted these seeds a long time ago, and now people are like, hey, this is it, cool, it's man. Almost, it's almost like bringing Mike Clark from a, from a track or two before onto a butterfly or something like that. Yeah. It was, it was, yeah, that's cool. I think that, that was Chris Dave. Um, but while mm -hmm. we're on the topic of nice. Glasper... Okay. So yeah. I this is a, what this is one of my favorite clips on YouTube actually. I want you to, I want I want you guys to hear and I you can look up this clip Robert Glasper birthday. Okay. Okay, this is like a birthday show that he did at a place called the Peppermint Club which I actually played in LA. And I meant to go to this show because I'd oh. seen Robert Glasper a few times before like a few months before at the Mint. And had such a blast because he's just so. You awesome got to go to the peppermint if you've been. I gotta, there, I gotta, you gotta, I gotta go to the and I just didn't. I kind of was like, oh wait, it's minty but spicier. Yeah, and so I was like, night of, like ah, you know, oh that's tonight. Ah, oh, well, I guess I missed it. <laughs> Wake up the next morning and I found this clip online and I oh. wanted to kick myself in the face. But check this out. Actually, can we play the clip? And I'm kind of, I have to describe it a little bit. So can, is that all right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I got uh, like three minutes of this thing pulled up. We don't need and, all three uh, minutes. But I think we're going to maybe go two minutes into this clip. Um, okay. So let, me set, let me paint the picture. This is a small club, and it's kind of fancy schmancy. Right. So, so forgive the clipping because it's not a professional yeah. recording. But you have Ronald Bruner Jr. on drums, Thundercat on bass, Terrace <laughs> Martin uh, on saxophone. Wow. Terrace Martin's like, you know, like another big he, one. He helped produce yeah. uh, To Tip a Butterfly. Yeah, yeah. And Glasper. You know, Glasper was all over To Pimp a Butterfly, right? So mm -hmm. a lot of those, a lot of that record. Woo! All right. <laughs> is um, represented by the music of these young, hip jazz guys in LA. This yep. like this crew like Kamasi Washington Thundercat Terrace Martin, and um, so anyway, this, they're playing at this club. They're clearly playing Butterfly, and so Roberts he's got a drink in one hand and he's like playing the keyboard with the other hand and he's like, so he just stood up. He's like, I gotta go to the bathroom. Is there another piano player in the house that knows this song? I really gotta go to the bathroom. Oh. He pulls out Herbie Hancock. <laughs> Holy crap. So now, listen to what happens next. <laughs> he plays. Yeah, time, 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 time. So he plays like the, just those first couple of notes, and Robert Glasper's like, like, he's he's just kind of hanging out, like, oh, this is cool. He plays that. He immediately goes and like bear hugs him. He's like, what? The, what did you just do? <laughs> so. Yeah. Wait. Oh, let's God. keep playing. Just just to can hear yeah. Herbie uh, playing.
Yeah. Man. I, I bet Robert Glasper probably soon forgot that he had to go to the bathroom. Yeah. He didn't ever go. It looked like it. Yeah, he just stood there gawking. <laughs> yeah. Good Lord. It's so badass. So, Bob. Yeah, yeah Jay. Yeah. What, what were your thoughts? You, you looked like you were about to say something. Oh, no, I'm just in awe of oh, yeah. that performance. I just I can't get enough right. of that YouTube video. <laughs> it's so much fun to watch. But Yeah. Oh, so cool. Look, my point, though, is that, you know, when I watch that, and I'm like, yeah, man, they're playing Butterfly. You know, that, that's mm-hmm. what's allowing them to play like this, is that they, they can be as funky and as, like, harmonically Jazzy. crazy yeah. as they want to be. And there's just nice. not too many... Like mediums where you can do that, or yeah, that's, or a really, that's a really cool point. I like that. Yeah, and so it allows it to be like dancey, and this is actually part of the reason why this record means so much to me is because I spent a lot of, you know eight or nine years in this band, the Funk Arc, and this one mm-hmm. became this became kind of one of these records that we, by the end especially, were like strive. We were just like reaching for it, which came easier nice. cool. for some of us than others. I would say mm-hmm. for me, I was somewhere in the middle, you know, but for yeah. like our band leader, Will, he could sound like Herbie, but then wow. for, for like maybe our drummer at the time playing like that, playing like Mike Clark was maybe a little bit not on the table. Um, mm-hmm. it, you know, it was close, but not quite. And so, mm-hmm. um, not knocking anybody, but I was left with this like yearning to play this kind of music, but in the meantime, just still decoding it learning what i can what i can about it you know especially in the harmonic range like what notes are they playing what chords are they playing what is herbie thinking about when he's doing this and it's dense you know this guy was an engineer you know what i mean like like, this is not like someone who's just like playing by ear like he has really figured it out to a high level and um and at this point, I think he was really, really confident in his abilities. Um, I, not that he, there's, I, there's no point in Herbie's career where I can be like, oh, he wasn't confident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, confidence here. Right. Yeah. Apparently, though, there's one of the stories that Mike Clark says is that they were in the rehearsal room and, uh, you know, Herbie arrived and he had just like this long cape, black cape. He looked like Darth <laughs> Vader. <laughs> He's like strolling in and just like killing it, you know. How do you stroll into re- rehearsals, Greg? Yeah, how else? I mean, like, geez, like Vader. That's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. No, I, and that 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 tune is so cool. It's such a, a great kind of tonal contrast from the rest of the album. Mm-hmm. You know, I can't help but hear late '60s Miles Davis, probably just because of the bass clarinet in it. That's true. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that definitely. Makes you sense. know, like you hear that early '70s jazz mm-hmm. sound and the mm-hmm. bass clarinet. Yeah, that my buzz. mind just goes to Miles Davis. Yeah. Um, but I, yeah, that's that's a beautiful tune, and I, I I didn't realize that it had been picked up almost as a standard in you know today's jazz community. That's what I'm getting at is that like basically two of these 50, 50%. four songs, yeah, fifty percent, yeah, two of these four <laughs> songs are are <clears throat> considered, I would say, advanced, but part of the songbook now, right, right, and that's pretty good. Yeah, you know, something and, else, yeah. So, look, I. I don't know if there's that much more for me to tell you guys about Thrust. There's one more song that we could play a clip of, and then and then I could I'd love to hear your, you know, your individual analysis 
Analyses. Analyses. So what, let, let's yeah. play this last clip and kind of put an end to the, um, you know, the bookend the clips, and then like we'll we'll kind of um, put a bow on it. Yeah. Yeah. Let's do it. Sounds good. It's been great. All right. This is Spank Ali. This is the final. <laughs> Spank Ali. <laughs> Yeah, man. What's that mm. to like about that? Come on. I don't know. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's what I'm asking you guys. <laughs> well, I want to hear from Nick first because I think you you mentioned to me at band practice last Thursday. You're like, I don't know, man. I don't know what Drake's at after on this album. I don't know. No, I, I said I said I'm really curious to hear like how 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 this became a classic to him. Which I'm glad I'm glad you explained that ten years of aspiration in funk arc that uh, that like this album served as. Um, that makes a lot of sense. No, I think I think the I think the thing that I've always I have appreciated Herbie's uh, rhythm and and obviously under, with the understanding, uh, but but not the understanding of the complexities of his melodic, you know, structure and 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 how 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 complete he had a mastery over like the theory of it all. I just I don't love his synth sounds oh, from yeah. <laughs> the Headhunter era. I just okay. they're so like. Um, like it, so that for me was just an obstacle. But honestly, as soon as you, it, it, as soon as you kind of relate it, or even just play it with a different set of instruments, and then go back to the original, it's like, oh, there it is. Okay, I just needed to stop hearing those instruments. Um, and, and, and in all honesty, Jay, I think at that point I'd probably gone through like you know twice maybe, and I was like, all right, all right, because that first song really, really. It, it adds elements, and that, but it, but it's really uh, I don't know that that first song was a tough one for me, and and huh. I kept like trying to get past that one, um, and then as soon as I got into the the, the, the latter three, smooth sailing, um, but that honestly, I I love the challenge of these albums, and I was fully aware that at some point I need to appreciate Herbie Hancock more, uh, I need to let go of like I just don't like these these synth sounds that he's that he's playing. So I, I very much am appreciative that this album was was chosen because it it was uh, it was an obligatory you know nope got to keep powering through and, and, and listen <laughs> past the I don't like his synth sounds because that can't be feedback mm -hmm. so no nah, man this sounds is, like this that was is, a success then Greg hey look yeah, to me to me it's like I, I, there are obviously synths on it but like you know the clavinet is the, to me like the most most forefront you mm -hmm. know and I guess I. 
that to me is sort of the the vibe more than the airy no, it's, synth. Both. It's, it's the, it's it's the clav they're both the on there they're both on it's there the clav sure. and the synth that i meant like okay, I, gotcha, I, but I, I like i like stevie's clav because because it's yeah. It serves just as like that funk accentuator, you know right. what I mean? Like, well, like he's doing the, but when Herbie takes it to the next level and he's like right. really using it um, in a lot of different ways. Well, and, uh, well I think a lot of time, times he's emulating what the guitar would do, because he's yeah. got the wah wah, you know, and, mm -hmm. and it's like, and he's very chop, you know, very percussive with it, very choppy, yep. Yep. Um, chunky, yeah, Jay, chunky, Jay. Well, I mean, this wasn't it wasn't a hard sell for me because I love Herbie Hancock and I love seventies funk. And, you know, th I think the big surprise to me when you mentioned this album, I was like, well, how haven't I heard that before? Because um, I've definitely seen it. You know, I listened to a lot of Herbie Hancock and I've definitely seen it in his albums list on Spotify. It's I got probably me. just I probably just skipped past it because of the album artwork, <laughs> because it's oh, yeah. so early yeah, right, 70s. Right, right. And like, this, this, no is, way this was probably a, a misfire. <laughs> or, <laughs> or it's a, yeah. incredible. <laughs> you know? Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. Well, exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, but, you know, as soon as you, as soon as I put it on, I was like, okay, yeah, I can get down with this because it's just a yeah. funk group. And, like, you know, that first tune, the things that you're saying that you don't like about it, Nick, um, that's no, the stuff I, that I, I love. Like, I, I just I, want a repetitive funk groove that, mm -hmm. that's really in the pocket and great. And that's what it, it, it gives you. No, and, I, yeah, I, I I could just see just uh, just very quickly why why yeah. Nick is like, what's so great about this album? It's taking a while to get going here, you know. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. But yeah. but again, part of the reason why I love this album is because I can put it on in a lot of different situations. Like talking mm -hmm. about like you know we've been talking about more about DJing and stuff. Mm -hmm. And there might be some people who kind of like, hmm. but in general, if it's not like it's not blasting, so far out. Yeah. But it's it's interesting, but it's also you know, it's not like ding 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 ding. You know, it's 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 right. funk, yeah. so it makes sense in a lot of yeah, it grooves. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Exactly. Um, it, the, or, the beautiful yeah. thing to me in in you know exploring this album further, because you know, in all honesty, if like I was just to put this album on just on a given day, not having to prepare for the podcast, I probably would miss the oh, yeah. subtleties that are happening in, in those middle two songs that you like so bad. Yeah. But having to listen to it, you know, in, in preparation for this, you right. know, really opens up those subtleties, you know, and mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful thing for it. Um, and that butterfly song, I love actual proof is, is, is amazing. I love yeah. the, actual the rhythmic is... com complexity on it and oh, the, yeah. the harmonic complexity. I have no idea where he's going. Like I can't even begin to explain right. or play along, but I love it. So yeah, man. I it, like I said, it wasn't a hard sell for me, but right, right, I'm, right. I'm totally, totally with you on this. Well, one. good. I, I I guess the the sell is more like, well, and and time will reveal this to be true or not. But do you will you come back to it? Will you listen to it on your own, not as a, like a homework assignment for the podcast? Will you put this on at some point? Will you turn somebody else on to this album? That's kind of like the test. And I hope that's a that's a really good question. That's right, really and question. I hope that you do, because but I absolutely will. Interested in hearing what Nick has to say. I would say what it's going to do first for me is it's going to uh, unlock a lot of other Herbie work, uh, and probably I'll probably go track down some Mike Clark stuff. And uh, hell, I'm about to go and listen to Ronald Ray Bruner a good bit. Um, oh yeah, from just yeah, that yeah. from just that birthday clip with with uh, Glasper. Yeah, uh, but honestly, bad. that's what that's the, that's, it, what, it, that's, it, what that's, uh, that's Thundercat's brother. 
Uh, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I think wow, Stephen cool. Cat, uh, sorry, Stephen Cat. Thundercat's name is, I think, S- Stephen Stephen Cat. Got it, okay. And uh, the Bruner family is, like, known as having, they're kind of like the Wootens. They're, like, sort of the West Coast R- Wootens. <laughs> yeah. He, uh, nice. he, he played with the band Suicidal Tendencies, Robert Ray Bruner. Yep. Really? Yeah, I think, yeah, oh, I, think okay. uh, I think Thundercat was in there as well. Yeah, 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 Thundercat was too. What? Um, I didn't know yeah. that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, awesome. yeah, we, we, we talked about that at one point. So yeah, so I think that's what it's going to do for me. And I think what will become of this album is it will be the source of that exploration. So I mm-hmm. think there will, there, will be a comfortabil- there will be a comfort level with going back to like, and, and then, and then because it's gonna, what it's going to be is a reference for me. Right. Of, of like each subsequent album that I go and kind of explore this will be the baseline that I'm measuring it against, and I'll probably come back right. to it and, and listen to it. And um, so it's cool that it's cool that it's kind of uh, especially if, if Headhunters, which I was much much more familiar with, is that album as a whole more accessible? Because I have dabbled, but have not done a deep dive. Is is it more of the like accessible funk side See, of? I would say things? that, that this is one kind of gets more a of little bit more merging of the jazz, or like what's what's the distinction between the two? I would say that I find this one just cooler. And that's, again, okay. why I'm saying, yeah. like, this is the one. Because we, we could have talked about Headhunters, of course, but... I'm glad we didn't. I'm glad we did this one. Yeah, you know, this, this one is, has, I think, just, a, just an extra vibe. There's a vibe to it that I... Well, I, I guess, okay, so, have, for, yeah. for anybody, so for anybody that, that gave this album a listen in prep for this, this show and maybe wants to check out some more Herbie, where, where do they go next, either of you? Since you guys both both, uh, I would I would say if if you really like this, check out the live album Flood, where he plays some of this stuff live. But he does actual proof. He's like playing on a piano. Okay, Um, that's pretty badass. And you know, yeah, just keep working up the doc. The uh, excuse me, the uh, discography. You know, from that. But but like before long, he's not doing funk anymore. So that's what I'm saying. Mm -hmm. Like this is a specific moment in time. You yeah. know, where his fro was fully out and, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. because before you know it, it's bum, 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 You know that song, mm-hmm. Rocket? That's Rocket. Herbie as well. <laughs> yep, I know. Yeah, and then you get that, that's synth Herbie to me. That's when he's yeah. like, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. But it started here, you know, <laughs> yep. I suppose. Um, well, and this is what he has at his fingertips. Mm-hmm. Is the crazy thing, especially yeah. when you listen to that later stuff. So there you have it, boys. I, I don't know if I Man. have too much more to say, but uh, well done, know, well done, it, Mr. Loman. Th- thank you very much. Thank you. And uh, I gotta tell yeah. you, this is this this is what we had in mind back mm-hmm. in the day. This is Indeed. this is what we had in mind. We just need 196 of them under our belts before we get to it. <laughs> right. That's all it took. That's all it took. That's all it took. Well, I hope for next week. I hope for next week that I'm going to be able to follow this stellar performance up. I think it's going to be a good discussion because I, this I, album, no doubt. Low is a weird one. It's it's not it's not a reference track. It's not a reference album in okay. in Bowie's catalog. It's an okay. outlier. Right. All right. It's it's so different from Save everything it. before and after. Mm-hmm. And you want to talk about a vibe? This has got a vibe, but I don't know what that vibe is. <laughs> it's a weird vibe. All cool. right. Um, but uh, well, I'm yeah, excited. It's going to be a good one. So check it out. Give yourself All some right. time. You know, yeah, definitely yeah, listen yeah. on some headphones. It's a good one. Headphones. Beautiful. Sounds but before weird. then, sounds weird in these headphones. Weird, man. That's weird. Man. Oh,
Oh, that's a weird one. God. Elvis, just wait. Just wait till you hear Mr. God, Bowie next week. Yeah. All right, boys, let's get out of here. Greg, why don't you tell the fine folks how to get in touch with us should they choose to do so? You can find give us some, online. Give them some of that. Wait, 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 wait. wait. No, no. Huh. You got you to give them some uh, of that. What's that first track? We'll put a little palm, palm grease on. Let's, yeah, let's, let's, let's skip to the head. Let's skip to the head. Get like a, uh-huh. Start like a mi- good minute in there. All right. All right, Greg, why don't you tell the fine folks how to get in touch with us should they choose to do so, sir? Woo! All right. Well, you can, you can find us online at youshouldcheckitout.com. You can send us an email at yscio_podcast at gmail.com. You can find us on social media, on Facebook and Instagram. Our Twitter handle is at shouldcheck. Listen to us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, wherever podcasts are heard. Leave a review, and as always, tell a friend, you should check it out. Yes, indeed, you should check it out. Damn check out right. Thrust by Herbie Hancock or anything that he made, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sure. exactly. You won't be disappointed. No. Good work, Greg. Yes, thank you, guys. Excellent work. Thank you thank for you, hearing. Mr. Loman. Thank, th- thank you for taking the time to listen to one of my favorite records, and uh, looking forward to, uh, to listening to some of yours. Beautiful. Yeah, buddy. All right. Thank you, Mr. Klein. We'll see you back here next week. Next week. Peace. Rock on, boys. See you.